On today's show, we're looking back at the 2020-2021 season for the Boston Celtics. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. The NBA playoffs are here, so don't miss the big storylines that you can find every day on the Locked On NBA Podcast. Follow the Locked On NBA Podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. We are here though to talk about the Boston Celtics, whose season was a huge disappointment, I believe. And then uh, just after they were eliminated from the playoffs, shit went down with the the removal of Danny Ainge, or the retirement, sorry, of Danny Ainge. And then, I thought Danny Ainge was going to go. I thought that was a real possibility, especially with some of the tweets coming up. But to have him replaced by Brad Stevens, and then they have to find a new head coach, absolutely a stunning development. I have no idea whether Brad Stevens can be a good president of basketball operations. What's his ability like to manage people? What's his talent evaluation like? Does he have any ex- executive ability whatsoever? How's his knowledge of the salary cap? I have no idea. This doesn't feel like it's going to go particularly well, but it very well could. Has Brad been studying this shit on the side? All about the nuances of player movement and contracts. Has he, has he already been doing that? While he's been coaching the team, is that why some of his coaching decisions this year were way off because he was putting attention into other areas? I don't know. It's not that easy to just move into being a president of basketball operations slash GM. That's why coach GM roles fail all the time. He's not going to be doing both. But does he actually know what he's doing? We'll hold our judgment. Let's see what he does in the draft. Let's see what he does in the free agency period. Let's see what he does with trades as this offseason rolls on for Boston. We'll talk about that more in a uh, in a second, let's have a look now at how the Celtics went. I have to be really careful that I don't lift my arm there and accidentally punch the Celtics logo in the head because we know how. Uh, oh, there it is. We know how disrespectful that can be. So sorry, Lucky. I'll just keep just keep myself clear of you there, so I don't actually give you a little clip as we move forward. The Celtics were thirty six and thirty six over the course over the course of this season. That's right on five hundred for those of you who are good with calculators. They were actually, um, yeah, it's a it's a big disappointment. We is the team we thought should be a top four team. They actually underperformed their expected win loss by three games. They yeah, their net rating would say thirty nine thirty three. They were tenth in offense, fourteenth in defense, and, and yeah, with those sort of numbers, you expect a team to be better than five hundred. So there were some problems. Twenty first in pace. They don't have any additional draft picks this year. Pick sixteen and pick forty five, and they've got some interesting decisions that need to be made. But we're going to get a real indication here of what Brad Stevens thinks of the team that he was coaching by the moves that he makes in the off season as to who he brings in, who he trades, a whole bunch of stuff that they can do. Now, I get the impression that both Kemba Walker and Marcus Smart are in real um, real risk of not being on this team next season. I would say one of those two almost definitely is not there. $36 million Kemba is owed, plus $37 million player option the year after. Smart's got a $14 million contract next season. There is some real big decisions that need to be made. Now, you wouldn't want to move both of those guys because then it means you need to bring another point guard in. 
I think Kemba's in real trouble in terms of not in real trouble for his career because he's getting 70 plus million dollars over the next two years. But in terms of being on the Boston team next year, I would be pretty doubtful that Kemba Walker is on this squad. And that's going to lead to a whole raft of changes with this rotation. And Stevens now has the key. So let's see what he decides to do. In terms of free agency, uh, the big one there is Ivan Fournier, who's an unrestricted free agent. They bought across at the trade deadline. He struggled with COVID, um, didn't quite find his niche at all. What his role is on this team as we move forward is still up in the air. I, I don't know whether they re-sign him. I don't know whether they want to re-sign him or not. Um, he had a great year in Orlando. If he's in, in Boston next season, um, will he start? Will he come off the bench? Will they play Fournier, Brown, and Tatum as the, the two, three, and four? That would mean you're moving on from Smart or Walker, one of those guys, and then that other guy's the point guard. I think that's a possibility. But his value for Nye this year was as a you know, big volume guy in Orlando, and I just don't think he's going to have that role, regardless of a Walker slash Smart trade, that Fournier is not going to have that role. His his position in the league is very, very interesting. Now, Fournier, despite what his hair would tell you, is still not 29. He'll turn 29 a little bit of the way into next season. But his contract is going to be really intriguing. Now, guys like Luke Cornett, Shemi Ojale, they're both unrestricted free agents. I wouldn't think that they're going to be key pieces to bring back. Same with Taco Fall, who's a uh, restricted free agent. And let's be honest, he is not an NBA caliber player and he will not be back. Ojale, I'd be pretty surprised if he returns. I, I just don't... I think that some of the infatuation... But the problem is that some of the infatuation was Brad Stevens' infatuation with playing him. Although that did drop off a little bit this season. But the big one there, of course, is Fournier and what they decide to do with Walker and what they decide to do with Smart in this offseason. I'd say Tatum and Brown, there's no chance that they are moving anywhere. But those other guys, real, real uh, possibility that they find themselves on another squad uh, for next season. You are the hiring manager for your company, the hiring expert. What you really need is help making your shortlist of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all in Indeed and get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that have must-have qualifications that meet your qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard with tools like Indeed Instant Match, which gives you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately. They also have the Indeed skills tests that on average reduce hiring time by 27%. According to TalentNest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than any other, all other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. And get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. That's a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Not only is it delicious, but it is also healthy. Nine fantastic flavors available at the moment. Plus, they bring out limited time flavors all the time. Coconut, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. There's something for everybody. If you don't know what your favorite flavor is, go buy a mixed box. 18 bars, nine flavors, two of each flavor, so you can give them a bit of a try. Most of the flavors, just 17 grams of protein. So you don't need to have an absolute you know, chore of a time getting through a disgusting protein bar in order to get those protein numbers. In 17 grams of protein, 130 calories and four grams of sugar, a great nutritional profile. And you can save uh, money on Built Bar right now by going to builtbar.com and using the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll get 15% off your first order. The promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. 
Guys, we're going to talk about this Boston team who did make it into the playoffs, got through the play-in game. But again, if you want to hear more about the playoffs and our Road to the Finals coverage right across the Locked On NBA Network, that coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And with 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Let's talk about the first player we're going to talk about in here. That is Jason Tatum, who was drafted really high. Pick number 11 was his spot. He played 64 games, 36 minutes a night. That's really good. 44 fantasy points made him 19th and 15th in category leagues. Now, he did come home pretty strong down the second half of the year. But yeah, that first round pick, and he was going sometimes to pick nine and pick eight in some drafts, was, uh, I think, a little bit too high given where, where he ended up. <clears throat> now, why did he end up where he was? Now, his advanced numbers are still really good. We look at it, he averaged 26 points per game. The shooting was somewhat of a concern, 46 from the field, but an EPM of 2.7 is very strong. He was second on this team at Raptor at 2.7. He led the team in LeBron. There's no doubting he is the best player on this team. Maybe you have a controversial alternate take, but to me, it's pretty clear that Tatum is the best player on this team. But I guess, I don't think disturbingly is the right word, but what did happen, and we saw his um, efficiency drop this season. True shooting still remained at 58, but overall field goal percentage did drop. Because his attempts from mid-range increased. It went from 5.6 per 75 possessions to 7. And that's just not the greatest way to improve your efficiency, especially when you're hitting 38% mid-range. His attempts at the rim dropped, which is a little bit of a concern. And that was basically replaced by mid-range attempts. Free throw rate went up, but we want, you know, when you're hitting 64% at the rim, which is what he did this year, you want more attempts there, not moving from yeah, rim shots to mid-range shots. And then that's part of the reason why that field goal percentage wasn't quite as good. Now, to, in saying all that, it was actually better than what it was last year. His field goal percentage improved. But we want him to take this. There's room for that to get better. Now, I'm being critical a little bit here of Tatum, saying, yeah, 15th is not great. Over the last three months, second half of the year, he was the ninth-ranked player. He averaged 29 points per game. He hit 47% of his shots, including 51% from two. He's still thoroughly average, and that's not a bad thing, but average rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, like very average in all those categories. We'd hope he would you know, get maybe a couple more threes, but well, not a couple more, like half a three more, but 2.9 for the season is pretty good. But this is you know, when he came out of college. He was like, okay, everything is average. What's his one skill that pushes him to elite? And instead of being a 21, 22 point per game guy, which literally he had, look, he averaged 13 in his first year, 16 in his second year, then 23 last year, which you know, obviously 16 and 14, they're below average numbers. 23 was a good step forward, but then banging it up to 27 and then banging it up to almost 30 a game over the second half of the year. That's where the elite level comes in. That is his elite level fantasy skill plus getting to the line, hitting 90% at six attempts. They are his elite numbers. So he was really, really good. And yeah, despite me saying that that overall number is disappointing for taking him at pick 11, the fact that he got it on track towards the second half of the year, even though he was you know, battling the after effects of COVID, I think that in that 10 to 15 range is absolutely fine for next year. And with uncertainty around the Kawhis and Embiid's and those sort of guys who normally fit in that 8 to 12 range, Tatum is going to be a fine choice in that area. He's still only... 23 years of age and won't turn 24 to almost halfway through next season. So there's a lot of growth still to come. He is, you would think, locked in as a top 10, probably top seven dynasty guy because of that age and because of where he is now for many years to come. Let's talk about his teammate, Jalen Brown, who took some huge leaps forward this year. 58 games, obviously season-ending wrist surgery. We hope that he's ready to go for next season. I think he will be. 35 minutes a night, 30, almost 40 fantasy points, which made him 31st. <laughs> 
29th in category leagues, and he was the 53rd ranked player overall in terms of ADP. So he took some steps, big steps forward this season, Jalen Brown. He was pretty inconsistent, though, I thought, with his fantasy production during the year. And some people will disagree with that, but he was very up and down. Started out unbelievably hot when there was times when the, when Kemba was out. Kemba came back, and he did ha- have some big drop-off in that February-March period. Tatum then got COVID, and we saw his value jump back up towards the end of the season. But he was way, way up and down. Now, EPM of plus two is great. 59 true shooting is fantastic. Finishing at the rim improved a lot. His mid-range shooting, which was sky-high to begin the year, actually fell off, and it was a little bit lower than where it was in previous seasons. But the other thing that he did is he started taking his mid-ranges at a higher rate to 6.2 per 75. Like That is a big increase. His overall usage increased, but he didn't really increase his attempts at the rim much. He didn't really increase his three-pointers a little bit more, but what he did was he just took more mid-range shots. And we know there can be fluctuations in shooting percentage there. He still was a negative in free throw percentage, not as bad as he has been in the past, where he'd been a pretty sizable negative. This was his best year, shooting 76%, but a negative nonetheless. And over overall, I think we look at him as a third-round guy as we move forward. He is, um, what, 25 in, in about four or five months' time? So he's still really young, still in his nice... Um, prime, you know, rebounds and assists are okay. They're a little bit below where Tatum lies. Threes and scoring a little bit below Tatum. Steals and blocks are about the same. So he's not that far off. We said he's just a little bit worse in free throws, a little bit worse in scoring, a little bit worse in rebounding, a little bit worse in assists, but does have overall a better field goal percentage. He was third on this team in his Raptor metric. Actually, in LeBron, he was way down at 0.23 because defensively, he did not grade out well in LeBron, which is curious because you would say that Brown is a pretty good defender, but his Raptor was basically zero for defensive and his EPM was zero for defensive. So not quite as good as... Yeah, he turned from a really, really good defensive player into a guy where whose value is coming offensively. Like two years ago, his EPM was negative 1.6 offensive and plus 1.2 defense. This year, it was two offensive and zero defense. So turned from a negative offense and great defender to a neutral defender and a great offensive player. So a big, big change in his game as he's been able to take those steps forward. So really impressive to see what he did. There was there were fluctuations in that efficiency, but you'd feel okay about him being a third round or, or maybe even second round pick as we move forward. But where does he get better from here? It's going from 76 to 82 free throws. That takes him up probably another seven or eight spots. It's going from six and three and a half rebounds and assists to seven and four and a half, much like Tatum. But I don't think, I don't think he has those passing chops. He did have a fifty percent or sixty percent improvement in assists this season. Big steps forward. Went from a nine percent assist rate to sixteen percent while keeping the turnover rate the same. That's super impressive. So yeah, can can he take that the next step? I have my concerns there, but also went from 25 to 29 usage. So, look, he was definitely impressive. Like, absolutely fantastic this season. Really, really impressive stuff. Kemba Walker was not as impressive. He was. Um, he only played 43 games and played 32 minutes a night. Had the delayed start to the season with a knee injury. Sat back-to-backs all year, then had a side strain. Ended up averaging 34 fantasy points, which was 61st. He was the 60th ranked player in category leagues, and his ADP was 60. So you look at that and go, that's bang on, but it actually wasn't. Like, it's a bad pick to pick him at 60 because he played half of the games, or a little bit over half of the games this season. And we knew that heading into the season. You know, where does he go from here? How does he get better? He averaged 19, 4, and 5. 
with three threes, one steal, 42 and 90%. Now, the 90% from the line is excellent. It's actually his second best fantasy category behind threes. The 42% from the field is not ideal. But he just does not look like Kemba Walker anymore. If he does get traded and goes to another team, look, this is a guy that had 31% usage in his last year in Charlotte and was down to 26 this season. I think he can still be a useful player, but the minutes, he played 28 or 2,900 minutes his last year in Charlotte, played under 1,400 this season. Yes, smaller season for sure. But you know, the minutes were way down. He could find a larger usage, but true shooting is now right on league average at 56%. Um, Three-point shooting down to 36%, which was one of those things where we thought, you know, coming to Boston, less offensive attention, the shooting numbers would improve, and they haven't. That's that's a concern. Assist rate's still pretty good without being as good as it has been in the past, and he's never going to be this high steal sort of player. So it is, he is not young, of course. He's just turned 31, but he's not completely done. I would think he's still going to be a draftable player next season. His EPM was great, 2.7, like a really strong number. It is declining, but it's still in the 90th percentile, 92nd percentile. He was he led this team in Raptor, and he was second in LeBron. So all of the advanced metrics love what he did. It's just the, how do we trust him in terms of minutes, playing time, um, and future health at this age? And you'd have to think at his size, his injury history, that things start to drop off a little bit further. Where does it drop off? Is it the 41% shooting? I'm not sure. He shot 43% over the second half of the year, so that did improve. But the, the assists are pretty low, but that, that could also go up on a different team. He's never been a high assist player. His best ever assist season was the 13-14 year where he averaged six assists per game, so he's not a huge assist guy. But what we need him to go back to is averaging 23 points a game to get back into that top 50 per game discussion. And I'm just not sure he's going to do But look, over the last two months, that was only 17 games, he averaged 21 and 4 and 5, which are obviously great numbers on 44% shooting. So he showed some some bursts there. I just worry about the knee and the consistent injuries, and I wouldn't want to value him. Even if he can have a top 50 per game season, which is possible, I wouldn't value him as a top 50 player as we move forward. RockAuto.com is the place that you need to go to buy parts for your car. It's just a, a disgusting experience, honestly, going into a, an auto store to wait in line, to talk to the mechanics there, to get your parts. They don't even have them. There's just too many parts for a a bricks and mortar chain store to keep in stock all the time. And they're going to go in there, waste your time. Might make you feel dumb. And also charge you more. Who wants to pay for the privilege of, or the non-privilege of going to a store and having them order a part for you when you can just go to rockauto.com and order that part directly? They have the same reliably low prices for professionals and do-it-yourselfers at rockauto.com. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write locked on in there, how did you hear about us box, so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Okie dokie. Marcus Smart. No, it's not Marcus Smart. My mistake. It is the Rock DJ Robbie Williams, a player who has a lot of discussion around him. He played 52 games, 19 minutes. 26 fantasy points, which was 120th and 81st in category. He's a much better category league player than points league player. A guy that was a must roster for big chunks of this season. Had a toe injury that cost him you know, playing time in the playoffs. And those 19 minutes are obviously really low. He averaged 8 and 7 with 2 assists, 0.8 steals, 2 blocks on 72 and 62% shooting. So those blocks are excellent. The field goal percentage is excellent. Good rebounder. And those low minutes, there's a lot of appeal there for, for Rob Williams. But a lot of the time with Williams, it's a coaching issue 
with not playing him enough. He has had in the past some real issues in terms of his defensive positioning, despite being a very good rim protector. He has been in his NBA career at the very worst, 99th percentile for block rate. His um, defensive uh, EPM has been at very worst, 86th percentile in the last two years when he's played decent minutes, and that was this year. He was plus 2.7 EPM overall. His Raptor was 1.2 and a positive in both offensive and defensive, and he was third on the team in LeBron. Every advanced metric is coming his way. His play improved. And realistically, at age 23, given what Tristan Thompson did this season, and he's age 30, Williams should be the opening night full-time starter and should play 26 minutes a night bare minimum. Now, 26 minutes a night for Rob Williams is top 40. He His ADP is going to be very, very interesting to look at. And a lot of that's going to be shaped by what Boston does in the offseason. But if he comes in, if he starts, and if we get an indication that he is playing 30 minutes a night, if you took him in the third round, it would not be wrong. I think there are times where he's going to have struggles, but this is a guy that from a fantasy perspective, think Rudy Gobert, think Hassan Whiteside. And Hassan Whiteside, top 15. Rudy Gobert, top 20. They can be in fantasy category leagues. Robert Williams can do that very easily. You would not want to draft him in the second round, but if we come out and we see that his initial Yahoo ranking is 70th, or ESPN, or probably 380th, then you draft him every single time. And you, and you and look, his ADP will probably come into 50 or 60. And that, I think, will be even a big bargain. I am very... This is the this is the year for Williams. He's had three years in the NBA. It's undeniable now the value that he can provide. And the, the fact that he is the best center on this team. And with Jalen, with Jason, with maybe Kemba, with maybe Fournier... They don't need a Nikola Vucevic. They don't need a center who's going to score. They need a guy who's going to go out there and erase attempts at the rim, block shots, rebound, and catch lobs. And that's what he does. And I think his injury against the Nets did hurt them. They wouldn't have won, but I think it did hurt them. I think he's in for a big year. It could blow up spectacularly. It could just be absolutely shit house. He could get injured again. And whoever the new coach is has the same mentality as Brad Stevens and plays him 20 minutes a night. That would be foolish when your other option is Tristan Thompson and Grant Williams or Luke Cornett. But it's really opening up for him to be that guy next year, I think. Let's talk about Fournier. A lot of his numbers are based on what he did in uh, the place, Orlando. (laughs) That's the name of the place. He was the 86th ranked player, 30 minutes a game, 42 games, averaged 29 fantasy points. He beat his ADP in both category and points leagues. He averaged 2.83s in his 17 points with three and a half assists, shot 46 and 79, which are both below average numbers. He had some real struggles in Boston initially. He has these occasional big blow-up games. But when we look at what he can do, what is it that he can do? He can score okay, but not great. His last... Well, let's actually, let's actually have a look at what Fournier did in a Boston uniform because I think that's probably more um, more representative of where his value goes. So in Boston, he played 16 games. He played 30 minutes and he averaged 13 points and he shot 46% from three. He averaged 1.3 steals, three rebounds and three assists in that time. Like there are obviously some not great numbers there in terms of scoring. Usage went from 26 to 18. Now, a Kemba absence could help that. Defensively, he was better. He, he was he was all right in Boston. And that 1.5 EPM is a really strong number. He was a useful player. But to be 86th, and he was like 78th or something like that before he got traded to Boston, I would really, really doubt 
that if he's going to score 15, he averaged 13 in the 16 games that he played while shooting 46 from three. Let's say that you know, he averages 15 a game next season. Uh, it's not enough to be a draftable player. He's a useful piece. There's no doubt for a good team. But will he ever find himself in a situation where he is the number one offensive guy or number two offensive guy as he was in Orlando? And I think the answer to that has to be no. It's very hard to see that. Defensively, he he's not as bad as you think, but he's also not great. Um, and yeah, he's he can be a bit fluky in terms of shooting, um, and, and, he, and he can be better. Now he was still he was a plus one point four this year for Boston, so he's still a positive influence on the team. Um, and yeah, ideally he can be a very very strong bench piece. But yeah, he might have to push into a starting role depending on what happens with um, the Kemba or Marcus Smart situation, or he goes to another team. I just don't see what team is going to want to pay Fournier to be in that same role he was in Orlando. So I think the value is in real trouble as he moves forward. Marcus Smart. I like Marcus Smart as a player a lot. 48 games this year, uh, 33 minutes. He averaged 13, three and a half and six with 1.5 steals, shooting 40 and 79 from the field, true shooting of 54%. So some pretty rough shooting numbers there from Smart, who did take a little bit of a step backwards this season in terms of shooting percentages. But his minutes went up from 32 to 33. His scoring went up. His assist rate went up without Gordon Haywood around. His steal rate went up. The problem there is he had shot 80 plus percent from the line the last two years, and that fell off. And I think that, you know, I thought I could have expected a little bit more from him to keep up that high free throw shooting, which would have helped his overall value for this year. The assists were higher. And I think that, yeah, for as much as we look at him as a small forward shooting guard type player, he is a good point guard. He is a very good facilitator. He is an excellent defender. And he is a guy that has started to learn where what his offensive role is. His usage decreased this year, even though, Gordon Hayward had left because that's just more finding what his role is. Defensively, he's still an animal. His advanced stats were all very, very high. A 0.43 LeBron is is a good number. 2.3 EPM is 90th percentile. Fourth on this team in Raptor, both positive offensive defensives. Some really good numbers there. Um, Will he ever be able to be a top 40 player? Well, he would have to get traded to a team, play as a 22 usage point guard, I think in, in a situation where Smart is put in... Look, in, let's look over the last five games of the year, it's small, but he played 37 minutes. He averaged 18, 4, and 6 with a steal. On 44 and 71, he was the 41st ranked player. He could be an 18-point-per-game guy who averages five boards, seven, uh, seven assists, 2.5 threes, 1.5 steals. But that's just really going to, to look. Look at the value that say a Malcolm Brogdon had going from Milwaukee to Indiana as the usage increased and he became that full-time point guard. If the Knicks got their hand on Marcus Smart, he's probably a top forty player with with some and even a punt field goal probably top thirty with some issues with the efficiency there. But he is a very good offensive playmaker, a very good offensive player despite some of the shooting problems, and an elite defensive player. I think he continues to be underrated. If I was Boston, there's no way I'd be trading him. But who knows how Brad Stevens views that. The shooting is a worry. There's no doubt about that. Tristan Thompson played 54 games. This is where we turn out from being guys, guys who are really good in fantasy to all the shit ones. 54 games, 24 minutes a night for Tomo. Hated the contract. Hated the minutes they gave him. He did provide value at times. There's, that's fine. I just he's just not. He's never a good fantasy player. Two hundred seventieth in category leagues. One hundred eighty seventh in points leagues. In twenty one points per game, he's a good rebounder. 
Yep, really good offensive rebounder, 96th percentile there, but not the greatest shot blocker, especially for a um, center, 21st percentile at, for centers for shot blocking shots. Finish at the rim at 53%, which is a horrific number. That is absolutely terrible. That's actually fifth percentile for centers in terms of finishing at the rim. A true shooting of 54 is disgraceful. His EPM of negative 1.5 is really bad. His LeBron was basically zero. His Raptor was one of the worst on the team, negative 2.6. There is no justification for him playing 24 minutes a night. 14 usage is fine. He needs to be in a 17 to 18 minute a night role. The contract, I think, is is still too high. I hated it at the time. He's got $9.7 million. That was, that was the one where Channing Fry decided to quote tweet me saying that I was uh, I didn't know what I was talking about because I said that Daniel Tice is a better center than uh, Tristan Thompson. Channing, I don't know if you listen to this. You're definitely not. Has your opinion changed anything on that at this point? Because uh, Daniel Tice is definitely a better player than Tristan Thompson. Now, Tomo has just turned 30, and he can be a useful backup player for five more years easily. As a guy that comes in, plays 18 minutes, has six points, eight, seven boards, blocks half a shot, but you can't be that bad at finishing or blocking shots or free throws and maintain a large role. Hopefully, injuries aside, we don't see Tristan Thompson as a starter ever again. And I haven't even talked about this. Brad Stevens starting Tyson Thompson together for the big chunk of the season, asinine. And that's one of the criticisms I had. Some of his decisions rotation-wise were absolute stupidity. Now, some of that's on Ainge for not getting them any sort of power forward whatsoever, even though, of course, Tatum's best position is there. But just not enough wing or forward depth. But that was a horrible, horrible decision. Let's talk about Peyton Pritchard, who was um, a very late draft pick. I didn't particularly like him as a first-round player. Um, I would say he outdid my expectations. But I also think that the way that Celtics fans... I don't know, idolized him this season was ridiculous. He was not as good. There were people saying that he should have been a top five pick, that he's an all-rookie team, first-team player. Like, let's calm our tits. 66 games, 19 minutes, 15 fantasy points, 287th-ranked category player. Hit his free throws at a great rate, 89%. 41% from three, excellent. Overall true shooting, 58 as a rookie, fantastic. Defensively, absolute sieve. One of the worst defensive EPMs in the entire league. LeBron, big negative. Raptor, I believe he was a pretty decent negative. What negative 1.2? Because defensively, he can't hold up. Assist rate was pretty poor. 12th percentile for point guards. That's a bad... That's not total assist. That's assist rate when he was on the court. Bad number. Steal rate low. Block rate low. You know, the three-pointers, fine. Really good. And attempted quite a lot of them. Knew what he needed to do. Didn't take many mids. Didn't get to the rim at all. He don't think he's got that ability to get to the rim, but he finished okay. But he doesn't really... Can't really get to that to that rim area. But as a three-point shooter with good efficiency, like I was impressed by what he did. Can Peyton Pritchard, who is already 23, can he be a starting NBA point guard? Yes, but your team won't be very good. But Kemba goes, which is, again, I think a likely scenario. Pritchard comes in, plays 20 minutes a night again as the primary backup, maybe 23 minutes a night playing some two-guard as well. The seven points he averaged on 16 usage, that can, can go up. But look, 1.8 assists in 19 minutes is bad. I expect that to jump. I expect his assist rate to jump pretty significantly. Up from, what, 14%, maybe to 20% next year, 18% next year. I think there's a big jump coming there. The ability to shoot already was pretty positive. Defensively, I'm not sure that ever comes or even gets close to passable. 
you can deal around that, but is his offensive upside good enough? Like, if you're going to compare him and a Malachi Flynn, like, Flynn, to me, is by far the better player, even though... And their ages aren't that far different. I think Flynn might be six months older, uh, but they're pretty close. Uh, Flynn is by far the better fantasy prospect and real-life prospect in my mind, although Pritchard has you know, carved out a role as a very, very solid backup, a good 20-minute-a-night guy for seven or eight years moving forward, and he will have top 200 fantasy seasons, but top 100, probably not. Grant Williams. Uh, I like Grant Williams coming into to the league. Uh, like we did in previous years. Um, he was absolutely not good this year. Like, really, 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 really dropped backwards. 18 minutes in 63 games, 11 fantasy points, three, 362nd ranked category league player. Grant Williams averaged five points with three boards, half a steal, half a block, 44 and 60. Like, that that level of shooting drop-off is horrendous. He went from a true shooting guy of 50 to 54, amazingly, this season. But what he what he did, he's free... In, I don't know how to phrase this. He shot 25% from three as a rookie, which is horrendous because he started off and I think he missed his first 30 shots or 20 shots from three. This year, he shot 37% from three. Like that's obviously a really, really big improvement. He took more threes this year. It's a big improvement. Um, But finish at the rim at a lower rate and how you go from a 72% free throw guy to 59 is obviously really, really concerning. And your free throw rate dropped as well. His passing, which we saw a little bit of at Tennessee, hasn't really translated across. And the pretty good rim protection and defensive numbers haven't really been there. Now, he's still been a positive defender, but offensively, he's just so lost that I'm not really sure he's going to be able to have a large enough role to be impactful. He was the second worst player on this team for Raptor. He was a negative 2.4 EPM, which is a big step back from where he was as a rookie. Nothing about his game was impressive this year. He's still only 22. So while well, he's not the youngest second-year player, he's not old. Like he's younger than Peyton Pritchard, who's a rookie, um, and he's what, a year older than Aaron Neesmith, who's a rookie. This, their rookie this year, Grant Williams, I think could find himself on another team, and I think could develop into a nice twenty-five minute a night type of player. Fantasy value, though, I thought there was a chance that he could be a sneaky upside dynasty guy. I'm losing a little bit of hope there. The offensive part of his game is just so far off. Luke Cornett, I don't need to talk too much about Cornett. He's 26 years of age. When he does play, watch him because he blocks a lot of shots. Block one shot per game, averaged 11 fantasy points, but he is a guy that when he is out there, it is hard to rely upon him to be out there because he's not very good. And for a guy that's a 3 and D player, he shot 29 and 25% from three the last two years, but an absolutely elite shot blocker, 8.2% block rate and can be a streamer in that category. His defensive EPM was huge this year, but it does it has fluctuated quite a bit over his career. I wouldn't rely upon Luke Cornett. He's unrestricted free agent. He probably finds another spot on another team, but fantasy value is not really there. Tremont Waters had some starts this year when players were injured. Um, Stevens would often go to him as a starter. Wouldn't really trust him with starter minutes or anything along those lines. But yeah, I thought he was all right. Really good assist rate, really good steal rate. And they are two things where when we're looking at fantasy value of... Um, point guards we, we want to pay attention to. 98th percentile for assists, 97th percentile for steals. Now, he's a bad rebounder, but he shot 39% from three. He went from 38 true shooting to 54 true shooting. Now, he barely plays 238 minutes, which is exactly double the minutes he played as a rookie. EPM went from 9th percentile to 55th. Big step forward. Right in the middle of the pack in LeBron. You know, not His Raptor wasn't too good. Well, negative 1.7. I think there is a player in Tremont Waters. I wouldn't say that it's particularly high upside. He's the same age as Peyton Pritchard. Um, he doesn't have the flash of Pritchard, 
but there's a chance that he's actually a better facilitator than Peyton and could be a better a better defensive player as well. I'd have to be in a deep dynasty league, but actually, you know, compare him to say Romeo Langford and definitely to a Carson Edwards, I think there's way more fantasy potential. I think there's a chance he could be a better real-life player. Now, Langford's obviously got some defensive ability that's probably higher than Tremont, but he does have vision. The problem is he's really small. He's got 5'11", and yeah, really slight, and that does that does impact him. But we saw a guy like Faku Kampatso at a really small size would be able to be a useful NBA player, and I think Tremont's got that in him. I'm not sure he'll ever get there, but I think he's got it in him. Jabari Parker, whew, 13 games. He's only 26 years of age, Jabari. But unfortunately, um, injuries have just screwed him. And his lack of attention to defense is obviously a problem as well. I There are, there are people who still believe in Jabari Parker. He's still a beast, guys. He's still a beast. He just needs the chance. I will push back on that vociferously. He does not need the chance. He has had the chances. He's not good with those chances. He averaged five and three, which again, on a permanent basis, is not bad. In 13 minutes, it's not bad. But defensively, he's bad. Assists, he's bad. He shot the ball okay from the field, at least 64% from two, but 18 from three. I don't, he's got a non-guarantee for next year, 2.2 million. Maybe they keep him around. It's just having a backup forward, but he's not a guy that is going to step up into a large role. I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought anyway. Aaron Neesmith, their first round pick this season. Again, one of those players who had that astonishing number in college. He shot 50% from three, and it was over like 14 games. So, of course, people who didn't you know, buy or didn't read into much or, or didn't you know, use context, so he's the best shooter in the draft. The Celtics got him, and that, that's obviously bullshit because it's a 14-game sample, and he shot 32% as a freshman. So where are we at? Now, this is not to say that he shot poorly because as a rookie shooting 37% is not a bad number, but it's not absolutely elite. And when a lot of your other parts of your game are pretty bad, defensively, you're not great. Offensively, shot selection, um, passing, non-existent. It's a problem when that one skill where you were thought to be elite at, you're maybe just above average. I don't know where we go. He's only 21. He had some nice little stretches this season in that in a, an area. So late April, early May, he did play some pretty decent basketball at times there, and probably should have had a regular rotation role. And I think next season he moves into a regular rotation role. That 13 usage should be able to get to 17 or 18. The doesn't get to the line, doesn't get assists, doesn't get steals, doesn't get blocks, doesn't get rebounds leads to a relatively empty fantasy profile. Like, best case scenario, can he turn into Wayne Ellington as a fantasy contributor who plays 28 minutes and hits three threes and be, is useful because of that? I think that's possible. Am I underselling Neesmith a little bit? Maybe. He's a 6'6 guard who I think can be an okay defender and showed some flashes this year, but it's not quite there. But it's all going to come down to shooting. But I, I don't know what the other thing is in his game. What else comes? Is it a good steal rate? Is it good assist? Is it a good rebounder? Is he a high usage scorer? And I'm not sure that any of those things come. I'm not particularly enthused about his long-term fantasy upside as a player. Taco Fall, he's a meme at this point. Feel sorry for the bloke, but he's not an NBA caliber player. When, for some reason, he plays big minutes, he will block shots. One block a game in eight minutes is huge. 72% is huge, but you cannot play him more than that. Um, Shemi Ojale, honestly, one of the worst fantasy players in the NBA. 17 minutes a game, 56 games, nine points outside the top 400 for category and points leagues. He averaged four and a half points, two and a half rebounds, 0.7 assists, 0.3 steals, no blocks, 40 and 75. What does he do that's good? 
Defense. It's not shooting. Although true shooting 55 is all right. Defense, he's all right, but he's not otherworldly. I'm just not sure who's signing Shemi to be a um, rotation player. And his fantasy value is, is non-existent. Let's talk Romeo Langford, who missed the beginning of the season with a wrist injury, then had COVID. He's still only 21. He missed a bunch of time as a rookie as well. Um, I hated the pick when it was made as well. I just didn't think that he was worth that. He's a guy that played sort of as a six-six point guard in college and couldn't get assists and couldn't shoot, but played okay defense. And so far, what we've seen is a guy that's probably more of a two or three now in the NBA, but can't pass, not a great rebounder, and doesn't generate defensive stats and can't shoot. 19% as a rookie, 28% as a second-year player for um, three-point percentage. True shooting of 43 and 44 his first two seasons. EPM, horrendous. Raptor, negative 1.5, but really good defensive stuff. Um, LeBron, you know, the worst on this team, negative 2.87. Injuries have killed him, for sure. He's only played 50 games through two years. Hasn't even topped 700 uh, NBA minutes. So, you know, he's got a lot of improvements that have come. But offensively, I'm not sure. 11% usage. 7% assist rate. He just is absolutely missing there. And then defensively, 20% steal rate. So while he's providing good defense, it does nothing for fantasy. Next year is super important. I think Neesmith's a better prospect than Langford, and he should be getting that opportunity ahead of Langford. I think Waters can be a better player overall, although, again, Langford can be quite a good defender. But you've got a good perimeter defender, guard defender, and that's Marcus Smart. And Langford's nowhere near that defender, and he is 10% of the fantasy player, Marcus Smart. I just don't really believe in Romeo Langford as a good long-term player. And this bloke should be out of the NBA real soon. Carson Edwards, 31 games, 9 minutes, 4 points. Um, remember that one game in the preseason where he scored, like, what, 18 points in a quarter and everyone got super excited? He is by far the worst guard prospect on this team behind Langford, Neesmith, Waters, Pritchard. Like, he is so far down. He was 466th in category leagues, 461st in points leagues. He just is not an NBA caliber player at this point. He's too undersized. His defense is too bad. His shooting hasn't come across at all. He is, what, 23 years of age? Yeah, I'm not really buying anything here for Carson Edwards as we move forward. He's still got a guaranteed year next year, 1.8. I'd be looking to move on. I'd just be looking to deal with deal with that uh, deal with that uh, salary and move on. I just don't think that he's worth the roster spot at the moment. Guys, that'll do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on Odyssey. Well, on YouTube, hit the thumbs up, hit the notification bell, drop your comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.